Good morning. Hope you've enjoyed getting to see a little bit of what summer camp was like. Uh, and I'm going to kind of sort of continue on in that theme by sharing with you uh, a story that we explored as part of sort of a journey of lessons learning about shining Jesus' light this week. Uh, no, it doesn't have to do with going to space, uh, but it is a pretty far out story. That was bad. I know, I know, I know. It's okay. It's okay. Don't clap for that. That was for the couple dad joke uh, enthusiasts in the room. But uh, I'm going to share with you a story from Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's some in the front entrance. You can grab one. If you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take it home with you. It's our gift to you. But otherwise, you can also follow along on your phone, tablet, or on the screen behind me. Now, when I say this is sort of a far out story, I, what I really mean is this is an incredible story. It is a story of a man named Zacchaeus. I'm going to call him Zach today because saying Zacchaeus over and over uh, ends up with me a little bit tongue-tied. But it's a story of this guy named Zach who's from ancient Palestine. And on a particular day that may have been ordinary at first for him, he met the person of Jesus and was forever changed. And this is one of the stories uh, that we wrestled with during one of our days at camp because it tells us a couple different things. First, it tells us that there is something amazing to be found in the person of Jesus. And for those of us who have already found the person of Jesus, there's a message about not giving up on people even if they seem like the least likely people to encounter God. So you got your Bible with you. Join me, Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. Read here. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was and but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now all the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that as we open your word and study uh, this story of a time when you encountered Zacchaeus in Jericho, Lord, we just pray that we would hear what you would have to say to us today through that story. Holy Spirit, would we be open to receiving whatever it is, open our, our hearts and our minds to you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, this is a pretty extraordinary story of life transformation. But to sort of get a sense of what that transformation is, we have to sort of start at the beginning of who Zacchaeus was. And in verse 2, what we read was there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
So Zacky boy, he is the top tax collector in town, which means he's sort of the head official in charge of customs, meaning he deals with the import-export fees. He's the guy who's looking to tax the rich and the poor and find any way that he can to make a profit. And because of this, no one in the community liked Zach. Zach was seen as a traitor and a thief by everyone who went through the city of Jericho. Now, while none of us like paying taxes today, I'm sure no one gets super excited uh, in April when you have to get everything done, uh, we do it as a part because we know that that money is sort of going in for something whether it's for schools or for roads or for all sorts of other things, we go, okay, I guess I'll pay to sort of do my part. But there was a problem, and the problem was, in Zacchaeus's day, that money wasn't going for the betterment of the city. It wasn't going towards health care or schools or better roads. It was going instead to the Romans, See, the Romans occupied ancient Palestine at this time, and they were doing what they could to keep expanding their military escapades. They wanted to keep dominating the known world at the time, and so they keep expanding and expanding. And as they went through their sort of military expansion, they came into a problem, which was as you take over a city, you have to figure out what you're going to do with it. Now, when they came to this problem, what they decided to do was learn a lesson from the ancient Assyrians and Persians. The Persians had been conquering the lands ahead of them generations before, and they had learned a vital lesson. If you keep prisoners of war, you have to feed them. If you take people with you, you have to house them. If you bring people along, they might get you in your sleep. So how do we deal with this? Well, what we do instead is we leave behind a small company of men who will keep those people in line. And one of the ways we'll keep them in line is making sure they don't have enough money to do much with. And so we'll tax them heavily. And we'll make sure that those funds keep sort of filling up our pockets so we can keep paying these men to do this and we can go and continue to build our society. And so when the Romans had learned this lesson, they started employing it all across their empire. And in this particular community, the community of Jericho, the Romans said, okay, we're going to set up our little garrison who will police, but what we need to do is find somebody who will help us know who to tax. I mean, this is a problem, right? They're based and headquartered far away in their day. I mean, today it's not much of a flight to go, but they're traveling by land and by sea through a precarious journey. And so for them to, to constantly send educated people to go to the right town who understand the agricultural system or the farming system, empire there is in that area to understand it and learn how to tax it well would be difficult and so instead what they would do is they would find people in these communities who were willing to betray their own people by taxing them 
And as they did that, they would reward them handsomely. They would give them a salary. They would give them guards and probably a nice place to live. And then they would say, you know what? You go ahead and charge a service charge, whatever you want. Now imagine you were living in a city, and every time you went to pay something, the barista turned around the little machine and it said, here are your tip options, 18, 20, 25%. But there's no no tip option. You have to give. And so you have to pay that service fee. And guess who gets the service fee? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has set this up all around. And this is a good place to be. Jericho is a border station. It is, it, customs come and flow through different communities into the region through this city. It has wonderful agricultural land. Picture Abbotsford beautiful harvests that come in to bring wealth into the city. There's people coming and going because it's on the border, and so they can tax import and export fees, and all the while, the people have to click that tip button. Now, sure, someone might read this scripture and say, well, as an optimist, I think that that could be the case, but maybe Zacchaeus was a really great guy. Maybe he was just forced into this and he just sort of went about his way and did his best to just do the bare minimum. Well, we see that's not the case. We see that's not the case by Zacchaeus' response to Jesus later, which we'll get to in a few minutes. So Zacchaeus, boy, he's super disliked in the community. No one likes him because he is betraying his people, he's profiting off their back, and he's helping the enemy. But Zach also had something else going against him. He's short. Anyone remember this uh, old Sunday school song about the wee little man named Zacchaeus? Okay, so this becomes a problem one day when he wants to meet this really interesting new guy. There's this rabbi, this religious teacher who's traveling through the region and he's coming to his city. His name's Jesus. And Zacchaeus says to himself, well, I sort of have access to everybody, and I want to kind of see who this is, and so I'm going to go and see Jesus. But when he arrives, much like where we see everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd already with him. And so as he comes up to see Jesus, he realizes he can't see. He's short. And by first century Palestinian standards, that means he's probably underneath five feet. So here's a disliked, short little man trying to see the parade where Jesus is at the center. Is anyone going to let him see? No. Why on earth are we going to let this scumbag see Jesus? We're here to see him. You can stay back over there by that tree. Zacchaeus, though, is kind of a smart guy. He decides, well, you know what? I'm going to sort of calculate the path that Jesus is going on. And there he's going to head over there by that tree. And so Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs up a sycamore fig tree. This picture here is one, uh, a picture of the tree that they believe may have been the tree that Zacchaeus climbed so long ago. So Zacchaeus climbs up into this tree because he's intrigued. He's intrigued by this guy named Jesus who's accumulating a whole bunch of followers, who's accumulating a real sort of uh, image that is just so captivating. And so he climbs up the tree 
for him to see Jesus as he passes by. Now, before we jump into this part where we see what Jesus does, I want to point out something here, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God was at work in Zach's life before anyone, even Zach, knew. The Holy Spirit was at work in the life of someone you would have never expected it in. I mean, all along the journey of Jesus by this time, there's a lot of people you can sort of understand why God was working in them. There were some educated, good men who he wanted to breathe life into so that as the news of Jesus was to get out, there would be people to tell the story, like Luke, the doctor who wrote this account. There were others who were passionate uh, followers of God, and they wanted to see the Messiah, the chosen one of God, come and, and rule in Israel. And so it makes sense that God moved in their lives too. But here in this border city, God moves in the life of the least likely, a corrupt little man who everyone hated. Someone who was seen as the traitor to the Jewish people, to the people of God. Yet, even though that was he, the Holy Spirit was moving. And I think this is really important for us, particularly those of us who are Christians, to remember. God is doing things in the lives of people we might not see. God is working in the lives of people we don't particularly like or want to be around. God is preparing the hearts of people to encounter Jesus, sometimes even the people who seem furthest away from faith. So for me, this is an encouragement to remember not to be close to what God can do, because there's this text that continues on from this first part of telling us about Zacchaeus, which shows us that God can do incredible things. So what does Jesus do? What is the Holy Spirit prepping as Zacchaeus runs and climbs up that tree? Well, we read it in verses 5 to 7. When Jesus reached the spot... He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus comes down at once and welcomed him gladly. First of all, can I just say that I love that the first thing Jesus said was Zacchaeus' name? We miss this sometimes in Scripture, but... Sometimes there's, there's no prior interaction between Jesus and someone else, yet Jesus knows their name. God was watching out for this man today as everyone else rejected him. Jesus saw Zach, knew exactly who he was and how he'd betrayed his people and all that was going on in his mind and still he says, I see you, I know you, I care about you, I want to be with you today. And then Jesus speaks the next few words which would break every social convention of the day. 
First off, in Jesus' day, no matter how high you were in society, barring being the emperor of Rome, you would never invite yourself to someone's home. Jesus lived in a day that had a very hospitable culture where the expectation of going to someone's home was that they would break their back bending over for you to serve you, to make sure you were entertained, to make sure that you left without anything that would leave you wanting. So to impose yourself onto someone when they were not ready, when they had not had time to prepare, when they were just busy doing something else that other day would be essentially to commit social suicide for that person because they would not be able to live up to the standards and everyone in the community would have been watching. And it would be to potentially put them in a very desperate situation. Not only would this become sort of socially and economically sort of a suicide mission for Zacchaeus, but in first century Judaism, Jesus would even lose standing in this. The class system was alive and well in Jesus' day, and it was heavily enforced. And so there was a list of where you were, and Jesus as a rabbi would be near the top of the list. He's okay. He can go a lot of places. We want him at the best events. He is up here with the cream of the crop in Jewish society. You know who's at the bottom? Tax collectors. The people who have betrayed their people. This is the worst class that there could be. And so for Jesus to jump from the top to the bottom was shocking for everyone. Look at verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner? Notice this is all people including his disciples and the Pharisees and Sadducees, probably even some of the Romans are wondering, what is this guy doing? And this would be upsetting for everyone, especially the followers of Jesus. I mean, the followers of Jesus had this picture in their mind of who he was. They knew he was to be the Messiah, the chosen one of God who would come and set his people free. And their expectation of this person was they were a person of great moral standing. This is a person who has been chosen by God because they are not going to make social mistakes. They are definitely not going to risk being morally corrupt or be considered unclean. And so for them to hear the man they're following, the one they think is the Messiah, to say, I want to have dinner with you, Zacchaeus, they just couldn't explain it. They, they just became so wrapped up in it. I mean, maybe if Zacchaeus was a former tax collector and he'd, you know, changed his life around and he'd cleaned up his act and he'd given all the money to the temple and thrown a feast for the whole community, maybe then it would make sense that Jesus would spend time with him on that day. But for Jesus to go when Zacchaeus probably just hopped out of his little tax hut and ran ahead of everybody in the city borderline blasphemy. This is crazy. And it's right there 
that we see that Jesus makes all the difference in the world. It's right there that we see that there is a reason why we as followers of Jesus can see something that's so exceptional to him and the Christian faith above anything else. You know, every other religion in the world invites us to change in order to be accepted by God. Every religion of the world expects us to meet some form of standard in order to receive some type of peace, to enter nirvana, to be reincarnated into a higher state, to have some God look upon us with favor to receive some type of blessing. We live our lives this way, not just as, as people of faith, but in people in relationship. Oftentimes, there's people in the world where we look at them and we said, you know what? Because of the way they live their lives, not today. I don't have time. I don't have room in my social sphere. I don't have time in the day. I'm just going to keep moving on until I find someone who sort of meets my standards. But Jesus defies both those things, both relationally and religiously. He offers relationship no matter how messy someone's life is. He says, I want you to be with me. Pastor from the States, J.D. Greer, says this. He says, in the gospel or the good news of Jesus, God's acceptance is not the reward for having cleaned up your life. It's actually the power to clean it up. There's a gift that comes with relationship with Jesus, which is that our life becomes transformed. And we see about, we read about it on this particular day. In verse 8, we read, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, this isn't like a, a question like, oh, I guess if maybe I accidentally cheated somebody, I'm going to give them something back. No, what he means is I am going to meet and exceed the expectations. For those of us who have been part of the church for a while, you've been attending, you know we've walked through the book of Exodus, and in the book of Exodus, there's all these rules that God has given within his laws, his expectation for a healthy society. Part of that expectation is a list of things that people should do if they have been caught stealing. The expectation, if you were to catch someone stealing, is to pay the person back two times over. But what does Zacchaeus say? I'm not going to go two times. I'm going to go two times that. I'm going to give four times, which is actually the most extreme thing that God asks of his people in the law of repairing relationship or reaching out to give back when we've committed a crime. This is the power that comes from the relationship that we have with God. You know, it's been medically proven that people who from a young age are emotionally and physically left alone, that they develop more poorly in every single way. But research has continued to prove that when someone, even if they've grown up deficient in that way, 
if they come into a relationship where they feel emotionally and mentally secure, that their life can change, that it, our brains can actually be rewired and re-engaged in new ways to change the person for the better. I think that's all because God wanted to move and meet with people in this way. From the moment that Jesus named Zacchaeus, from the moment that he showed that he cared and wanted a relationship in a positive way, without taking or receiving anything from Zacchaeus in exchange, it moved Zacchaeus to a new place. It changed his heart and his mind to want to follow in the ways of God. As Jesus responds with kindness, Zacchaeus chooses to turn his life around from that very day. There's a, a sort of churchy word which we use, which is to repent, which is to do a 180. That's exactly what Zacchaeus does. He goes from taking to giving. Here, right on the spot, I'm going to give away half of everything I have. And then on top of that, if there's anyone I cheated, everyone who knows me and that has pressed that button for the service fee, you come back to me and I'm going to give you four times over what I took from you that day. That is a change of life, which is radically unexplained, except for the fact that Zacchaeus met Jesus. This is why Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. That's a word which is, is used in the Jewish world to, to respond to someone who's part of the family of God. And then he explains, for the Son of Man, that's me, that's Jesus, the one who has come to be the Messiah to save. I have come to seek and save the lost. Now it's really important to note, please don't hear this, Zacchaeus didn't get saved that day because he gave. He gave because he was saved. He gave in recognition to what God had done as he called him into relationship with him. For one encounter with Jesus, a one once awful man changed the way he lived that day. And I think that's a beautiful picture we need to cling to every single day. For some of you, you have never encountered the person of Jesus, and perhaps you feel incredibly lost. You might feel lost relationally, emotionally, spiritually, you might just feel sort of like, what am I put on this earth for? What Jesus wants to answer those questions as he calls you into relationship with him. Jesus has the power to change your circumstances and your background for good if you would only choose to follow him. The thing that we celebrated at camp this week, the thing we celebrated this morning as we sang was the fact that Jesus gives us everything we need, even when we're lost and wandering. The good news of Jesus is not just for Zacchaeus, it's for us too. Jesus chose to give up his life so that if we would believe in him, if we would turn away from the things that we have done wrong, 
and we would choose to live with him and follow him, then we would be a part of his family. We too, if we were to go in the language of the day, would be sons and daughters of Abraham. We'd be part of his family. We'd be welcomed in. And then we would be given an opportunity to live our life in a new way. And in essence, every one of us has a time where we have an opportunity to climb up a sycamore tree, to look and to see Jesus. And as we do that, Jesus looks at us and he says, I want you to come to me. Let's spend some time together today. If you're already a follower of Jesus, I would urge you to remember the goodness and graciousness of God. So easy for Christians, myself included, to become judgmental, to become critical of others, and to forget what God has done for me. But I have to remember that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that I came to faith. It was through encountering Jesus that my life was changed from living in a completely different way. And as I remember that, and it reminds me to never count people out, to always be looking for who God wants to count in on his family. It gives me hope to look for change. Let me close with a real quick life story of an acquaintance of mine named Dave. Uh, Dave's a guy who grew up here in the Lower Mainland, and he grew up with a brutal upbringing. Uh, he, he had a very violent and abusive household. Uh, both his, his mom and his dad were both physically and verbally abusive towards him, and a number of their friends were sexually abusive of him as well all throughout his upbringing. And so Dave grew up in sort of this way and this place where he just, he just didn't know which way to go. He just didn't know what to do. And all he wanted, all he wanted was someone to love and care for him. But he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it at home. Because of his home life, he couldn't get it at school because he was a mess when he'd get to school. And he would decided that what I would do is I'll, I'll go and I'll... I'll, I'll rebel i'll disobey and at least then people will pay attention to me and people did begin to pay attention to dave because as dave began to rebel he started to catch the eye of a gang that operates here in the lower mainland and that gang said hey this kid's one of us and one day when he rebelled at school got kicked out someone from the gang came to meet him outside of school and recruited him. And as he became part of the gang, he began to feel some value. Now, it wasn't the value that he was really looking for, but at least it was something. And so he started off just doing a little bit of dealing. Then he started to move up in the gang and became uh, quite an extensive drug trafficker all across BC into Washington, uh, Oregon, and California. And he began to climb the ladder, and he received the message, I'm okay as long as I'm doing this. And much like Zacchaeus, he ended up becoming quite wealthy on the back of other people. And he went, you know what? Like, they're making these choices. It's not my fault that we're dealing them drugs or doing these things, because really, it's their own problem. 
And so this is the way he lived his life. Until one day he was asked to go and kill someone who had gone against the gang. And he drove out from here in the valley uh, towards West Van. And as he was driving, though, he got off, he went somewhere, he grabbed some lunch, he wanted to calm himself down before he went. And then as he started back on his way, something began rattling on the back of his car. So what Dave did is as he was exiting onto the highway, he pulled over onto the shoulder and he got out and he looked under the car and he saw that a part was hanging down. He said, okay, what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to strap this up and I'll get it dealt with later. And so he goes into the trunk, he pulls out a bungee cord. Remember those old black heavy-duty bungee cords with the big uh, S hooks on the end? That's what he grabbed. He grabs two of them and he hooks them together and then goes from one side of the car and over to the other. And as he's pulling, the elastic breaks. And the S hook flies back and hooks him between the eyeball and this bone, which sends him stumbling back into the on-ramp. A truck hits him, knocks him onto the highway. The last thing Dave remembers is the guy getting out of the truck, calling 911, and then beginning to pray. Days later, Dave wakes up, head covered, all wrapped up, a whole bunch of other things wrong with him. But as they unwrap the bandage one day from his head, he sees sitting on that, that little table that they wheel over top of you a Bible. And it turns out that the truck driver who hit him, who prayed, had brought him this Bible and just brought a couple other things to, to hope he was okay. Now, the only thing Dave knew about a Bible was that it was really great for rolling joints. But I guess, because I'm here, I might as well read this thing. His curiosity got the best of him. And as he began to read, he began to recognize the name of this guy named Jesus. And as he began to read the sections of what God could do, they began to felt his life change. His life changed because he encountered Jesus. And Dave would say, that's not the kind of way that I would have wanted it, but I know that that was what the Holy Spirit had to do to grab hold of me. And the wonderful thing is, as Dave's life changed, he became much like Zacchaeus. He's taken the wealth that he accrued from a life of running a gang into building ministries, which help kids who have been abused. He counsels dads who are abusive in how to do it a different way as they come to know Jesus. He helps women get out of desperate states and into transition homes. And he does it all because of the person of Jesus. Remember, none of us are too far away. No one is too far from God that God can't reach. Let's be prepared to see what the Holy Spirit can do and keep our eyes on Jesus every single day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you not just for your word, though, but for the, the true story of how you encounter lives, God. And we know that there were people before Zacchaeus, and there's people even still today, this very day, who 
are coming into relationship with you. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you that you love us enough to chase after us. God, I thank you that we don't have to do anything, that we don't have to clean up, that we don't have to be a person who becomes a certain thing before we come into relationship with you. But God, I thank you also that when we come into relationship with you, we don't have to stay that way. That our lives can be changed, that we can live in in radically different ways for the better. And God, we want to worship you with our lives in that sort of way. Lord, for anyone who's here, who, who is far from you, God, I pray that they would become interested in you. That they would want to metaphorically climb their sycamore tree to see you. God, for those who are interested in you, I pray that you would meet them even today. That as they look to you, God, that you would reveal how good you are. And Lord, for all of us who have followed you for whether it's a short time or a long time, I pray that we would be reminded of the truth that it's what you have done in us that leads towards life change. And God, would you also use this, this the story of Zacchaeus as a reminder not to count people out, but to look for the people who are climbing those trees to look for you. And Lord God, would we be like you? Would we reach out to them? Would we love them? Would we help them come to know the truth of who you are so that their lives can be changed for the better? Lord, we thank you that we can worship here today. We thank you that there is much for which we praise you and honor you. So God, even now as we turn to singing, God, I just pray that the words of this song would just remind us of the convictions of what we've heard through Zacchaeus' life story. And Lord God, would they propel us out into the community to love as you have loved, to welcome people into relationship in a way that only you can do. And Lord God, will we see other lives changed? We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.